I'm Matt Adams, and this is the Weekly Genealogy Toolkit, the podcast that helps new genealogists get the most out of their research time and avoid the most common pitfalls. There are so many reasons that I love working on family history. I mean, I love working on my own family history for obvious reasons, but I also love working for others as well. I think it's an interesting approach to an understanding of history at large. I think I also love it because it seems like an endless source of learning, and I think having an attitude of being open to continuous learning helps keep me energetic and interested in life in general. The last several days of Roots Tech was, as usual, a great source of learning into so many different aspects of genealogy that I couldn't really even sample it all during the conference. Thankfully, with all the recordings, this means I really have some things to learn for months to come. I hope you were able to attend at least a few classes, but if not, It's still great to go back and look through the library and watch the videos and read the handouts. I really encourage you to go to familysearch.org slash rootstech and find something that you want to learn about. As for today's episode, I wanted to talk about all the things that I learned this year at Rootstech. The first thing I learned, or rather that was reinforced, was the realization of just how big of a field genealogy is. I think I spend so much of my time in my own little corner of the field that sometimes I lose sight of the fact that there are millions of people out there just as passionate about genealogy as I am, but they're interested in parts of the field that quite frankly just don't interest me at all. And that's totally okay. There's nothing wrong with any of these aspects of genealogy that don't have a draw for me. It's a big tent and all are welcome. It was just fun to see so many people being excited about seeing and learning about things that they're passionate about. I think I feed off of that kind of energy, and this year's Roots Tech was full of it. There were some technical challenges on the remote conference side of things, but I feel like that's something I remember about all the Roots Tech conferences I've digitally attended. Friday morning was particularly frustrating as I missed an entire class that I was really looking forward to, but I try to give everyone involved a little grace. After all, I have problems getting my Roku remote to work sometimes, so the challenges involved with streaming multiple events to millions of people across the globe is a major undertaking, and I accept that sometimes it's going to go wrong. Thankfully, the recordings are still going to be made available, so I didn't really miss much. But enough of the hiccups, because there's really a lot to talk about. While the bulk of my research takes place in the American, Mid-Atlantic, and Southeast, I do a considerable amount of research in Eastern Europe and I'm always looking for information on how to do better research in those regions. This year, there were a few courses that really grabbed my attention, one on an introduction into Polish research, and another on Austrian cadastral records for the Galician region. One of the reasons that research in these areas can be so challenging is that borders changed so many times over a relatively short period of time. One of the stories told by my wife's great-grandmother was that growing up in Galicia was interesting because you never knew which language the schoolteacher was going to teach from day to day. It's a bit of an exaggeration, of course, but a quick look at the ebb and flow of Polish, Austrian, Russian, and ultimately Ukrainian borders gives a good sense of what she was getting at. Before getting started with her presentation, Aleksandra Katzbrak talked about the importance of doing a little historical research before getting started in genealogical research abroad. This was actually a theme that came up a few times in different classes, and it's going to be a topic for a future episode. But what she was getting at during her session was understanding what the borders of Poland were at the time of your genealogical interest, and understanding, if applicable, which partition of Poland you'll be dealing with. The crux of the issue is that back in the 18th century, Poland, then much larger and known as the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, was in the waning years of what had been a fairly long and powerful dynasty. Although once strong, by the late 1700s it had weakened significantly, 
and neighboring powers started picking it apart in what became known as the Partition Era. Russia, Prussia, and Austria more or less sat down and decided to break up the Commonwealth until there was no longer a Poland at all by the end of the Third Partition in 1795. Aside from being a pretty interesting bit of history, this knowledge is helpful for the genealogist interested in Polish families, because the types of sources available, their locations, and how you access them will vary based on which partition their family lived in. Her class was largely structured around taking each partition in turn, Russian, Prussian, and Austro-Hungarian, and providing a methodology, tips, and resources that will be helpful in your search within each respective partition. Her handout was very detailed, and I'd recommend even if you don't watch a presentation, go grab her syllabus because there's a lot of good information in there if you ever find yourself researching in Poland, or a place that has been Poland within the last hundred years or so. Lucien Chachatsky's session on Austrian cadastral records was a really good pairing with Alexandra's session on Poland. Galicia as a region has been a part of both Poland and Austria, as well as now Poland and Ukraine. I was already familiar with cadastral maps as a means of gaining a better understanding of the historical geography of your family, and if you have some patience and luck even finding your ancestors' homes, but Lucien talked about other records created as a part of the surveys. I was unaware that there were by-name registers that provided house numbers that could be cross-referenced elsewhere. In fact, he introduced enough new things to me that I'll probably have to watch again and play with the resources as I go to get a better sense of how I could apply that knowledge. Regardless, his class gave me a sense that, again, with some patience and luck, getting a historical geolocation for your Galician family is a very doable thing. Speaking of research abroad, Stephanie O'Connell presented a session on reconstructing the lives of female Irish ancestors that was also full of good information. I felt encouraged when her session opened with, Start with what you know. Maybe she listened to episode one. While her presentation was about female Irish ancestors, really her methodology of building a historical context, understanding the law, engaging in cluster research, as an aside, remember the episode on fan club research? That's just another name for it. And understanding naming patterns, are useful for any research on a challenging subject, and Irish women just happen to be a particularly challenging subject based on the historical context and the laws involved. The main thing I took away from the course that I also talk about but sometimes don't do is be calm and research where you are before going anywhere else. It's easy to want to jump right into the Irish records when you see that census document that shows that your subject was born in Ireland. Stephanie talked about the importance of completing the American research first, to understand that she needed to look at English records next, before finally finding herself researching in Irish records. It's a hard thing to do. Sometimes those origin stories can be that shiny object that gets us distracted from actually accomplishing anything. This was a case of already knowing about the medicine, but being reminded that I need to take it as well. DNA is a fascinating aspect of genealogy, and one that's been getting more and more useful by the year. There were a number of good sessions focused on DNA research this year. Diane Southard did a series of lectures called You Can Do the DNA, where she tackled bite-sized elements of DNA research in some detail. If you listened to all of the sessions, then you probably learned a lot. I tuned into her Friday session about lighting your DNA match list on fire. I'll admit this catchy title is probably what caught my attention, but I'm glad I watched the session because it was really good. I've done a fair bit of DNA research for myself and a few other people, and I think I'd say I got a pretty good track record for making some big breakthroughs, but Diane's session gave me some new ideas on how to take a more structured approach to breaking down the match list by genealogical project and sort of nugging through them step by step. I was sort of loosely following her methodology all along, 
but I was probably missing a lot along the way, as I was only loosely following it. I liked the approach of being disciplined by research questions, rather than just jumping into the gene pool and seeing what you can figure out. Just like in genealogy as a whole, research planning can help us do our DNA research as well. That helps us focus on the right matches to then analyze shared matches to build a network of people who, after filtering out some of the noise, you can do some good traditional genealogical research on and come to some sound conclusions. I feel like the way I just said that sounds boring, but it's actually really exciting, and I'd encourage you to go watch that one as a recording if you missed it live. Although I spent most of my time in either regionally focused sessions or topical sessions like that on DNA, there were a lot of great sessions on general genealogical methodologies. If you're new to genealogy or just genealogy curious, I'd start with those because there's some real good stuff there. I particularly liked D. Joshua Taylor's session on tracing individuals with similar names. I don't know that I'd say that I learned anything really new in the session, but A, he's a really good presenter, and it's just really fun to watch him do what he does best. And B, he's a phenomenal genealogist, and just watching his case studies was great to see how a disciplined, focused, and efficient genealogist can get over brick walls like they aren't even there. I'd say for the new genealogist, who would describe themselves as the comfortable beginner, if you're only going to watch one session from RootsTech 24, that's probably the one you need. He hits on so many fundamentals of genealogy. It's listed as an intermediate level session, and there might be some things in there that would be totally new to a beginner, but I think it's very accessible for a general audience. On Saturday, I watched a fantastic session on paleography, or the study of handwriting, I've always considered myself pretty good at transcribing archaic handwriting, but Shannon Combs Bennett had a few tricks up her sleeve that she shared that'll make working on those really hard documents a little easier. One of her tips that I thought was really interesting, but also very simple, was dissecting the document to build an example alphabet in the hand of the writer. So as you work through the document, if you struggle on a word, you can look at it against your example alphabet. I'm going to have to play with that one in the future. All in all, it was a great Roots Tech conference this year. I was able to file away a few new tools and polish off some old ones that I'd maybe been neglecting. I hope you were able to attend some of the sessions, and if not, just remember, you can catch the recordings from this year and past years on the Roots Tech website. If you've learned something interesting and want to share, please reach out to me on Twitter at the WGT Pod. I look forward to hearing from you, and I look forward to getting back to our regular episodes next week. Until then, thanks for listening, and See you next time.